Welcome to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Bierman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We invite you to be a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. And now join us in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for today's broadcast. Well, good morning. You're probably wondering to yourself, why does the church look a little bit on the dark side? Why are we... What happened to the lighting? Actually, nothing. I intentionally turned it off or turned it down. Because this is the first Sunday in Advent. And we, we're going to be focusing on a word today, a word called hope. It's going to be what our service is about. And even the children of Israel looking forward to the Messiah's coming to free them from the bondage that they had been in captivity for all these hundreds of years. They were holding out hope, but many were still in despair. So we think about this time as we draw closer to that day in Bethlehem. Now you may have noticed, some of you may recognize what this is. This is an Advent wreath. And each one of these candles represent a different Sunday of the four Sundays in Advent. And what I want to do now, and hopefully these new candles will work, I'm going to light the first one. And this one is called the Candle of Hope. This represents the first Sunday in our season of Advent. And every week as we get closer... Next Sunday, we will light the second candle, then the third, then the fourth. And then as we celebrate in our candlelight service on Christmas Eve, we will light the Christ candle to remind us of his birth. And one of the things I like about using real candles for this is because each candle will be a little different height each week. And you'll see the mark of time that we've been through. All those, imagine those centuries that they waited for Christ. And there's a special reason that this one is a slightly different color, and I'll tell you in two weeks what that color means. And I think today, because we are, in essence, kind of in the dark, we will use some candlelight to lighten our darkness. Now, just a couple of brief announcements. We had, we had a good time yesterday. Not a, not a big turnout. I really had prayed we would have had one. But when you're competing against Christmas parades, bazaars, more Christmas parades, and other activities that occurred, we noticed as we were driving home last night, there was a lot of vehicles there at the high school, and I, I'm, we're going, what's going on there? So apparently we... Probably should have looked a little bit closer at the regional calendar of events. Uh, we may have picked a really bad day. But you want to know something? It was a blessed time. And in a few minutes, you're going to have the opportunity of hearing the person that shared with us in song yesterday, Josh Gilbert. And he's going to be an integral part of our service today. 
Advent for me has always been one of those seasons since my childhood that I try to thoroughly understand. And it took really till I got older to fully comprehend and most important to appreciate what Advent is. As we begin our service today, I'd like us to focus on our first hymn, which I think tells the entire story of what Advent is all about. And that is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, stand if you can to sing with us today.
Let us pray. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify thy glorious name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated for the readings of God's word. All right, for today, um, the first Sunday of Advent, we're going to read from the Old Testament. Is this on? Okay. Um, the reading is Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf in our iniquities, like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O, o Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. Now if we can read together, we have Psalm chapter 80, verses 1 through 7, and verses 16 through 18. O hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock, shine forth, you are enthroned upon these cherubim. In the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come to help us. Restore us, O God of our... Show our light to countenance and come to be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angered despite the prayers of your people? You have fed them with bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. Have you made the derision of our neighbors? And our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance. We shall be saved. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man you have made so strong for yourself. So we will never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. And the epistle is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and in knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the 
revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And next will be the Gospel of Mark with the pastor. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel comes from the 13th chapter of Mark, beginning at the 24th verse. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his own elect from the four winds, from the farthest ends of the earth and the farthest end of heaven. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you too, when you see these things happen, recognize that he is near and right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have occurred. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, nor the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house, and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we prepare our meditation and we think, as we are on this journey to Bethlehem, I welcome Josh Gilbert to minister to us in song for a short time this morning before I bring you today's message. Josh, thank you for being here. And I just want to say what a blessing it was to have you here yesterday. I needed to hear the music and the message that you had. It's been an honor to be with you. And uh, very encouraged by you in more ways than you than you realize. And your example and all of you all of your examples and your joy and um, your walk with the Lord has been an encouragement to me. Grateful to be a part of it.
did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so
Father, I ask you to bless this time that we have as we gather around your word. Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to to be with everybody here in this congregation today. For the many that join with us around the nation, I pray for them too as we today remember this first Sunday in Advent. I pray that you'll open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. For this I ask in Jesus' name and all the people said, amen. Advent used to be a big deal. At least when I was growing up, it was. Where I came from, the background that I had. Anybody that came out of a liturgical church background, that included a number of them back in the day. You had the Advent wreath. We had one at home that we started lighting up on Christmas, well, the first night of Advent right there in our dinner table. And during those, and I can remember I was sharing this with somebody the other day, that we used to have these little booklets And in these little booklets, there was every, you had the first Sunday in Advent, and you're supposed to put in a dime. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, you put in a penny. And Saturday, you put in a nickel. So that was 20 cents. Now, back when you're like the age of these right here, that's a lot of money, especially back a couple of years ago. And as we got close to the fourth Sunday in Advent, we would bring our little, little things in. We did this during Lent, too, another season that's been long forgotten. And all that was for mission work. And the whole idea back then was to help shine a light in the darkness with your little gifts, the little offerings of the, of the kids. But today we live in a world where we want all the benefits and the fun and the joy and the music and the feelings of Christmas, and we'd want to do it without an Advent. How many of you have email? How many of you, for the last two, four, five weeks, have been getting Black Friday email? The sale starts two weeks early. It's Black Friday today. I I can remember it was maybe two weeks ago, before Thanksgiving, maybe three weeks ago, 
Early Sunday morning, I got up and I'm checking email just to see if I missed anything. And that's when they all started. On that Sunday, two weeks before Thanksgiving, Black Friday starts early at Best Buy or whatever store that it was. Just one after the other after the other. They wanted you to jump right into the buying frenzy of Christmas. All the fun, the joy, the toys. And, and let's be honest, when I was their age and a little older, this time of the year, the Sears catalog was out. You remember the toy part of the catalog? I'd be going through it, making little marks, checking it off. That's what we did. But we never in the services at church lost the sight of Advent. We were reminded of what Advent was all about. The waiting for the coming of the Messiah. See, the world wants Christmas without Advent. The world wants forgiveness without repentance. The world wants the benefit without the investment. That's what we're being taught. Christmas comes and it's a happy, fun time of the year. For four weeks, there's peace on earth, maybe longer, goodwill toward men. And on December the 26th, we haul it all out of the house, throw it back up in the attic, and then it'll come around. You'll start seeing it in August. All the stuff starts hitting the Lowe's and the Home Depots. The world doesn't want the Advent. Because, see, Advent... And one of my friends wrote this morning, he puts out a message for a number of small churches to help them. And he reminds us that Advent is really a twofer. We remember the first Advent of the first coming of Jesus Christ, fulfilling all the prophecies of the Old Testament to the, to the letter. And the odds, they say, of that happening are astronomical to fulfill every promise in one person. But the other half of this, we are in the second advent right now. The world just doesn't want to recognize it. The reason I darkened the church today for this first Sunday, and I wasn't planning on doing it, and, and i got to give you an irony how God works. Josh was performing downstairs and was getting some strange noise in his equipment. Turned out to be one of these dimmers for the lights is not working right. So I turned the lights off, then everything worked well downstairs. The hum and the noise disappeared. And I sat in here for a couple of minutes looking at the screen and everything being ready for tomorrow. And the Lord just said, Leave it. Leave it dark. My people were in darkness for how many centuries waiting for the Messiah? The light, look, I ran into this, I was thinking as you were singing before, Josh. And I want to jump into the book of St. John, chapter 12, beginning at verse 44. Jesus cried, not, not that he spoke, and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeds him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe on me, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me, and is received not my words, hath one 
that judgeth him, and the word that I have spoken, the same shall I judge him in the last day. This is a reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. Sure, the world can deal a little bit. Well, they used to. Not anymore. It used to be, and I, I, I can remember sharing this message many a time with the church, the world can handle a babe in Bethlehem. He's harmless. He's cute. He's not threatening. But over the past 25 to 30 years, even that has changed. They don't even want the babe in the manger anymore. They don't want him in the public square any longer. They don't even want the mere mention of his name. It's hostile. It's evil in the minds of those that are evil to even share his name. To proclaim his word is hate speech. To raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord is child abuse. Yet the same individuals trying to decide what the gender of your little child is when they're three and four, that's all right. I wasn't going to share this today, but it, I, I'm going to. I just feel at, at peace about it for a moment. I saw a story today, a new book that's out. You can buy it at any bookstore online. $68 book from the American uh, Psychological, Associ yeah, Psychological Association. And it's a book in helping determine your infant's gender and how to identify when they're one or two if they're in the wrong body. And, and th th this is being mainstreamed every day. Yeah, just like pet rocks. <laughs> about as useful as a pet rock. <laughs> this is the world in which we live. This is a dark world. And that's why the church is dark today, this building. Not, the church is not dark. The church is the body of Christ. This building in which we meet is dark today. But we see light drawing closer and closer, brighter and brighter as the days go by. But the world refuses to see that light. I would venture to say, Mark, that you would probably identify with me on this. You've, you've been around church work. The world loves to live in darkness. They never want to see the light. Am I right? <coughs> and, and I have to think. In this church, as we get closer and closer to remembering his first coming, as the light gets a little brighter and brighter, the light that the world refuses to see because the world wants all the benefits without the commitment. They want all that comes with it on the table without the participation or preparation. They want to come to the banquet with no investment. They want to, that old great Baptist hymn, just as I am without one plea, they want to stay just as I am and leave me alone. Don't change me. I like it the way I am. The world was in darkness. 
and Jesus came into that age of darkness. We'll talk more as we get closer to Christmas, what was going on at that time. But today the theme is hope in a world that is hopeless. The hope of the world is fleeting and can change on a dime. A hundred years ago, a hundred years ago in the 1920s, the economy of this nation was on fire. People were making money hand over fist on Wall Street. People thought that this could never end. And before the decade of the 1920s came to an end, the entire economy crashed. Now, that economy would have resurrected itself to a degree in time. All the things man tried to do to fix it extended it. And then the double whammy came. Drought in the Midwest. Now we had the Dust Bowl. Food shortages. No employment. My wife and I were talking today on the way to church. And I'm thinking, the greatest generation... The one my dad, her dad, served in the Second World War, they're gone. There might be one or two stragglers left. And now we're losing the silent generation, those born between 1928 and roughly 1945. We're beginning to lose them. They're the last vestige of those that took their children to church for the most part. I was taken to church. Most baby boomers had access or were taken. Maybe not every Sunday, but there was, but definitely Easter and Christmas and a few other days, you didn't miss. My generation, baby boomers, not all, but a very frightening number decided church was not that important to them because, see, their parents had given them Christmas without Advent. They gave them a banquet table without an investment. They gave them everything without any expectation. And those are the ones that after they finished college or trade school or just went on to a job, began to think, Sunday's the day for me. Why should I give it up for anything else but me? Besides, there's now football. There's all kinds of things to do on a Sunday afternoon. And when you come to the time of Christmas, oh, God forbid, at Christmas time, that we come to church on Christmas, we have too much to do to get ready for the parties, the cocktail hours, the dinners, the decorating, the trees, the parades, all the fun of Christmas without the Advent. Our gospel lesson summed it up really nicely today. And this is where we're going to conclude our message on this point. Jesus is coming again. We don't know the day or the hour. Could be morning, maybe noon, afternoon, nighttime. We don't know. Jesus himself doesn't know. That's why I always laugh at the date setters. They're always wrong. 
If somebody tells me I can tell you from God's word that Jesus is coming on May the 11th of 2012, whatever it was, I knew he'd be wrong. You know, not going to happen. Wouldn't have to worry at that particular hour because he's not coming. No man knows the day or the hour. But the light is getting brighter as we get closer. Never forget that. Another candle every week. We may, may not even see it with our natural eyes, but in the spiritual realm, the light is getting brighter as his coming is getting closer and closer with each and every passing generation. Could this be the generation? I don't think the children of Israel back in, oh, 81 thought that was the time. But it was. Born to set the captives free. And here's the last thought. The poor children of Israel back in the Old Testament, how many times did they get thrown into bondage? And why? Disobedience. Sometimes it lasted generations before the bondage was released. There's always a consequence. And they never did learn. When Jesus came, they were still under oppression. The Roman Empire taxing them out of existence. And in that, they tried to still pretend that they were God's chosen. Still under God's persecution for their disobedience. The world is disobedient. The world is celebrating a false Christmas because they've never accepted the advent of realizing why he had to come. He came because I'm a sinner. He came because I am not perfect. He came to redeem and restore me and you and you and you, all of us. The advent of our king. Heavenly Father, teach us to yearn to understand what it means for Advent. What it means to be waiting in anticipation of all that you have for us. Open our eyes to see the ever-increasing, brightening lights in that spiritual realm as you are getting closer to breaking open the sky with a radiant Shekinah glory light that the world has never seen before. Prepare our hearts to receive you as not just the child in Bethlehem, but that you are coming again as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And all the people of the congregation said, Amen and Amen.
Christ was born.
a song that I wrote, and it's called Separate Us. And it's, it's inspired by Romans 12, where at the end of the chapter, Paul says, There is nothing that can separate us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither height nor depth or anything in all creation. And when the world looks dark and everything looks hopeless, he broke through. He gave his life for each one of us. He gave a sacrifice. And it was very costly. It was was the ultimate cost of his very life so that we could have eternal life and everything through him. Think about that inheritance that we have so beautiful I can't help but respond in song and praise and an offering of my life because of what he's done for me and he's offering that to you this morning if you're listening online or if you haven't quite thought about that even in this room he gives you his life as an offering and what will we do for him what will we do in response Sometimes I feel so lost And it seems like there's no way back But then I look unto the cross And I see what love has done for me And I know you'll never leave There is nothing, there is nothing that can separate us from you, separate us from you. There is nothing, there is nothing that can separate us from you, separate us from you. Sometimes I am so afraid That I've gone too far to change But then I see how much it costs So I rest in the blood that was paid Jesus, your love has made all So 
service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Beerman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We want to thank you for being a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com. That is trinitychapelvirginia.com. And we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another service from Trinity Chapel.